Well, hello, welcome to the Inside Sports Nutrition Podcast, episode 49. Today, Dina and I sit down with a very, very knowledgeable gentleman, Dr. Patrick Devitt. He is a PhD associate professor and the program director of exercise physiology and the human performance laboratory director at St. Joseph's University in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. He earned his PhD in nutrition, physiology, and biochemistry with a specialization in exercise physiology and energy metabolism. He also did a postdoctoral fellowship at the University of Connecticut under Dr. Jeff Volick, where he studied low-carb ketogenic dieting in ultra-endurance athletes. That's right. This episode is all about low versus high carbohydrates. All right, let's dig into this. So today we are chatting about carbohydrate intake ranges and strategies for athletes, carbohydrate loading. Do we actually still need to carbohydrate load? Is it still a thing? We talked about the FASTER study with Dr. Davitt, and we talked about low versus high glycemic carbohydrates during exercise, which are better, which are more preferred. Lastly, we discussed how metabolic efficiency testing facilitates the development of personalized carbohydrate intake strategies. Now, we sat down with him just after Labor Day. Uh, he was uh, coming off of a great summer, as were we. So we definitely appreciate his time and your time in listening to this episode. But before we get to the show, want to give a shout out. This episode is brought to you by All Around Snack Co. This was founded by me. All around Snack Co. Why did I find find this company? Well, it was it wasn't really by mistake. I just really wanted some snacks for my kids, my family, my athletes that I work with. I wanted some that didn't have any a lot of added sugars, didn't have any dyes or colorings or any additives. I wanted also some snacks that were actually metabolically efficient, something that helped control blood sugar. So I sought out, I created snacks. I've got three great products. I've got gourmet snack mix, got energy bites and protein puffs. Now here's the great thing. If you go over to allaroundsnackco.com, use this code for 15% off. Here's the code, ISNPODCAST22. So again, that's allaroundsnackco.com. Use the code ISNPODCAST22 for 15% off. Certainly appreciate your support. Now let's get to the episode with Dr. Patrick Devitt. Well, hello, welcome to the Inside Sport Nutrition Podcast. My name is Bob Sibahar. Here with me at the side of me, but virtually, is my co-host, Dina Griffin. Dina, good morning. How are you? I'm good, Bob. How, how are you doing today? Oh, fantastic. You know, we are recording this. It is September now. It's before the Labor Day weekend. I think it's just... You know, you just have that lighthearted feeling. It's gonna be a long weekend. You know, we each gonna you're gonna hit the dirt a little bit, which is yeah. always a great thing. So it's good. It's good. How are you? Yes, I'm very charged up for the weekend ahead. <laughs> you but are charged up. Before we get to the weekend, we have a very important and exciting guest with us. I'm super honored to have on to talk about a number of nutrition related topics that we have delved it into in the past, but we're going to go into and in maybe different angles here. Yeah. And, and this is, it's an honor. Um, like you said, uh, Patrick Davitt, uh, Dr. Patrick Davitt, uh, PhD, CSCS fellow of ACSM. I mean, we'll, we'll include his, his bio and everything in the, in the pure intro, but just to let everyone know, I, I think, you know, Patrick, good morning, by the way, how are you this morning? 
Hi, good morning. I'm doing well. It's yeah. been a busy morning, but hey. Uh, I'm sure kind of wrapping up the week, right? Absolutely. Yeah. You know, I this is where I was going with this. You know, Patrick, I think you're a little different, right? Because you're so experienced in the in research, obviously you're a PhD, you do research, you teach, we'll include all that, but I love that you've got all the real life. Like you used to be the sport dietitian for Rutgers football team. Like you've lived, like you've walked in the path before of, of, of really, you know, sport dietetics and like everything. So I love the angle that you take, but in addition to that, like you're an ultra runner, right? Yeah. You just, you just, what, a few weeks ago finished the Eastern States 100? No, so I did the, it was wild because I did the 2021 Eastern oh, States. Oh, 2021. So for okay. a long time, it was, hey, last August, I did right. Eastern States 100. <laughs> and now it's like, wait, two last August, last August yeah. was like a week ago. Uh, like, so yeah, I did the 2021 that? Eastern States 100. I was and, set and, up to, oh, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, here's the, like, I was listening to you on the Trail Runner Nation uh, podcast. I love those guys to death, by the oh, way. Yeah. And I just, I, I had honestly, because, you know, we live in the Rocky mountains here. I had never heard of the Eastern States 100. Cause it's always, as you know, Oh, it's Western States, Western States. When I, when you started describing it and then I looked it up, that's no joke. I mean, that's legit. <laughs> it is legit. Yeah. There's all these shirts that they have before you run, which I wish I bought. Cause as soon as I was done, I was just yeah. in a different delirious state. <laughs> oh, they oh. have all these shirts that say rock Sylvania. Because Pennsylvania okay. and, just nothing but rocks. Oh. But yeah, it was very daunting. I think for me, I mean, I live in Pennsylvania, so I'm not a huge racer. I love training. I do okay. like having things to strive towards. Yeah. Uh, and then I turned 40 last November, and then oh. I got into ultra endurance. Uh, I've, I've always been interested in energy metabolism, which is a lot. Right. That's near and dear to your yeah. heart. Yeah, that's been my specialty in in my PhD and research, and then in post grad, I got into ultra endurance specifically um, with the the faster study uh, at UConn yeah. with Dr. Jeff Volek, and yeah. then that kind of piqued my interest, and I did a fifty miler in twenty sixteen, like a forty two mile trail run. Uh, I had the fastest known time for for wow. a while, yeah. and then I just said, you know what? Let me. I wanted to do a hundred miler before I turned forty, and good for you, yeah. Did you yes. grow up a runner? I grew up, I ran cross country. Okay. Uh, if, if, but I would always like quit if coach Shackley from my high school yeah. was listening here, he'd be amazed <laughs> uh, to know that I ran a hundred miles. Cause he'd be like, Oh, you couldn't stick out a winter track uh, for like <laughs> year. But oh, I was no. always active. I played soccer for 11 years. So okay. I was really, I, I raced BMX bikes. I would always mountain bike, big hiker, Stuff nice. like so I've always nice. been involved and I, I never really did anything else. And then the yeah. research that I did, and then my first faculty position, one of my students started a running club and oh. we were, I was at Mercy College and we were right along the Croton Aqueduct trail along the Hudson river. It's a 42 mile trail that if you okay. do it, the Croton Aqueduct, they will give you a commemorative patch um, and certificate. So oh, I wow. had the fastest known time of that. It was like seven yeah. hours or something. Yeah. Um, and then I was 10 feet in my office. So I just every day would start. Oh my gosh. My buddy, Steve. And um, that just got me into hiking That's more, awesome. running more. Yeah. And then it's like, let's just see if we can run longer. And Yeah. Yeah. And and you did. I mean, so if you don't mind it, we won't focus on this, but before we kind of shift into the carbohydrate energy metabolism, because that's kind of really what we want to talk mm -hmm. about is carbs today, right? Because there's so much going on. But before that, 
you finished Eastern States in just over 34 hours, correct? 34 hours, 21 minutes. There we go. How did you, like, what was your daily nutrition preparation? Did you do anything differently? Did you, did you periodize your macros differently? Like give it, give us a little snapshot of what you did daily for your nutrition Lead, leading up to it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 So, um, I didn't go crazy. I knew if I had like a three hour run or like a five hour, I didn't run that many like five hour runs, but yeah. if I had a, anything over two hours, I would take something with me, but it, it, I started to dial it in a little bit more, maybe a month leading up to it. But prior to that, I mean, everything that I've studied, uh, you know, I, that I followed, I, I did a lot of my runs, uh, you know, in either a fasted state or I would take something, I would just have like, you know, a little tiny bowl of oatmeal or just take okay. half a bagel. Um, yeah. otherwise I, I brought like the generation you can, I would bring their yeah. bars or I would bring the gel packs. Um, okay. and I didn't need that many of them. Most of what I emphasized for, for a lot of my training, which is what we can get into because it's a lower intensity was yeah. more just from an electrolyte. Like I knew, Hey, if it's June, even though the summer doesn't get that hot, but if it's June mm-hmm. and I'm going out for three hours and I'm pretty much running the whole time, I'm going to sweat yeah. a lot. I'm going to lose a lot of electrolytes. So for, for the most part, I had a lot more emphasis on like my electrolyte balance, okay. proper hydration, things like that. Yeah. Would you classify your daily nutrition plan as more as, as you know, my metabolic efficiency training concept as more metabolically efficient, mm-hmm. like not crazy keto, low carb, high fat, and not crazy high carb, low fat? Yes, I would. My, my okay. wife would say that I'm a grazer and more yeah, okay. like a bird. Yep. Yep. I don't really eat that much throughout the day I might not eat breakfast, you know, I might add some extra heavy cream to my coffee, right? Uh, my daughter, I made her a bagel and she didn't want the other half. I'll eat the bagel. Gotcha. Um, and then lunch I'll pick at lunch and I'll have, you know, I might bring eggs. I'll have cottage cheese. I mean, okay. you know, I'll have peanuts or yep. cashews or almonds. I don't really, it's kind of why I don't eat that much. If I have a heavy training, like if I'm doing a long training run or a hard uh, lifting session or something like that, I'll, yeah. I'll bring something extra after that. But then it's really at like dinner where I'll have, you know, Hey, I eat a big meal and I might have a snack or two after dinner. So it's yeah. very, but in general, I would say I have more of along the lines of what your metabolic efficiency training okay. is where I, I, it's not that I avoid the carbohydrate, but yeah. I'll have like, you know, it's not, I'll have ice cream. I'll have, yeah. 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 But yeah in general, uh, I have in the back of my head, I don't want to spike my insulin. Right. <laughs> right. Exactly. Technical standpoint. Yeah. You know, as much as I can limit the spiking of it. Um, right. So yes, I will, I will follow that general type. Okay. And then there'll be random times where, I might try out, like uh, go into more of a ketogenic. um, Okay. But that's typically not any time remotely near when I might have a race or something. coming. Right. Have you, cause you, you have an ex-phys lab, you know, obviously because you're a Mm -hmm. PhD exercise physiologist. Have you tested yourself? Like, have you done some metabolic efficiency testing on yourself? Oh, I have a massive amount of data. Okay. Yeah. yeah, I have a, I have a, I have a treadmill desk. Um, I, I got in um, at, I got in with a couple of the CGM companies. So I've walked like marathons on my treadmill desk, oh my trying gosh. different <laughs> solutions. 
wearing the CGM, uh, where we, I got the, um, not the VX Pro, uh, I forget the name of the company, but it's, yeah. it's, it's a little tiny portable. You wear the same blue Hans Rudolph mask. Yeah. Uh, it, it's just this little device. It only measures oxygen. Oh, it's, it's the, is it the VO2, uh, the VO2 master VO2 pro, um, the master pro pro. That's yeah. right. Yeah. Yeah. I white, gravitate. So I have all, I have tons of data. Yes. On myself. Um, that is great. I was just curious. I wanted to go back real quick to Eastern States 100, Patrick. Sure. Were there any fueling or hydration surprises that came about um, being your first 100 or any things that you learned that you, you know, maybe will take forward to shift in your fueling or hydration strategies? Well, I, I, yes. I wasn't super surprised. It's it's for me, maybe everyone's different. And that's kind of the whole cool aspect, but also annoying aspect of nutrition, <laughs> sports nutrition, uh, because for the 50 miler I ran, the 42 mile, the 100 miler, for the most part, I knew I wasn't going to bonk from a, and I, maybe that's because I was so regimented in my knowledge and preparation. Mm -hmm. uh, for me, it was more musculoskeletal, like joint and things like that. But mm -hmm. I was pretty good. The big thing would be if you were randomly running a race, if I was running a race that didn't have as many aid stations or didn't have the, you know, I used mostly generation. You can the gel packs. I did have some bars. I just love the gel packs. I can't wait to try this new pineapple that just came out. Yeah. Uh, I did have some, some, uh, cliff, uh, the cliff shot blocks, mm -hmm. but mostly they were the caffeine ones. So it was just mm -hmm. later in the race. Like once I got to like mile 60, I just wanted to pop some of those for, they don't really have any electrolytes in them just for yeah. some little bit of sugar. And then to get that caffeine, yeah. but my, a lot of my go-to when I started getting to certain aid stations was if you gave me top five foods that I had to eat for the rest of my life, peanut butter and jelly would be on there. Yeah. And I would just eat peanut butter and jelly squares. And then once I got past mile 50, these little, the fingerling potatoes, just oh. came with salt. Yeah. And then eventually they had pierogies. Um, yeah. you know, my wife's Polish, so I know authentic pierogies. So <laughs> yeah, that, that, that was, but I didn't know they were going to have all of that. And that okay. part of that is just, you know, when you're dealing with someone running or doing exercise for that long, you never know what they might want to try mm -hmm. and who are you to say no to them? Um, so for me, it was, I knew my preparation. Yeah. But did you find at those aid stations, did you find it was mostly carbohydrate dominant? at those aid stations? Yes. Or did they have some? Yeah. I'm trying to think <clears throat> if they had anything like rice, crispy ball, you know, Twizzler. Yeah. It's mostly carbohydrate Twizzlers. based. Mm -hmm. They might've had like chicken fingers. They did have hamburgers and stuff. Okay. Like that. Okay. And then a lot of people will, you yeah. know, I mean, I came they in, did. I mean, 34 hours, 21 minutes. I was close to the 36 hour cutoff. 36 yeah. is actually a little bit longer. Uh, I think Leadville's a hundred or it's 30 hours. Yeah. A lot of the other yeah. hundreds are, are 30 hours, but, mm -hmm. right, right. but yeah, it's primarily carbohydrate and you're yeah. seeing amino acids, but they don't, they didn't seem, you're seeing amino acids pop up more in a lot of recommendations and what a lot of people right. like. In, right. But exactly. I didn't see a ton of protein sources. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, let's, um, yeah, it's, it is it in, you know, we, we see different things at, at all sorts of different races, mm -hmm. but you know, the longer that I'm always curious for the ultras, like what, what's on tap at the aid stations, mm -hmm. because you just, like you, you were saying, you just never know, especially towards the, 
ending, you know, miles, uh, you just don't know what they're going to put out because obviously a lot of things change with our taste preferences, what we want, what we don't want. So let's, let's segment into really kind of the bulk of, of why we really wanted to chat with you. And that's just all things carbo, not maybe not all things carbohydrate, but <laughs> there's so much going on with carbs these days, right? I mean, unbelievable. There's, you know, there's keto, there's LCHF, there's high carb, low fat, there's metabolic efficiency. Like there's all of these different things floating around out there. And we've got some research and we've got some reality. And I don't know where to start with this, but maybe just, maybe just asking you, where, where do we start? Like with all of our listeners, they're, they're uber confused about all of these confusing low carb, high carb, moderate carb, periodized carb. What, where, where do we start? Like what's, what's your initial take on this? Yeah. So my initial take would be to start by saying you don't have to consume as much carbohydrate as you possibly can. And more carb doesn't always translate into, you know, more sustained, you know, like sustained energy output, better runs, better performance, things like that. Right. So I would start there You're because we're starting from what the status quo was mm-hmm. and we're saying, Hey, the tides have been turning and I think they're finally turned. We don't really know what to make of them yet, but the status right. quo was, you know, I mean, you go back to the Boston marathon in the twenties, Hey, these guys okay. ran it. Their blood glucose was low. It must be blood glucose. You get to the 40s, the Bergstrom method, muscle yeah. glycogen, then get into the you know uh, uh, Gatorade, and then mm-hmm. just studies in the 80s, studies in the 90s of how much carbohydrate can we pack into an individual to get them to burn more, you know, uh, fructose, sucrose combination, multi-source, yeah. all those different things, and then we eventually were at the recommendations, which haven't really changed. They so haven't. Say, let's start from. From we're there and I'm recommending, and I think we're seeing a lot of data to support the massive amount of carbohydrates on a daily basis. It doesn't have to be that way. It Maybe it does for some, but mm-hmm. we can start whittling it down. And then at the opposite yeah. end is no one is really ever telling you, or should they tell you to completely eliminate your carbohydrates? You right. should completely eliminate that person from your training yeah. regimen if they are saying you need to remove all carbohydrates. So <laughs> totally. Oh, that's a strong message right there, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> but hey, it's your, you know, it's your life. Yeah. You get to do that's true. That's true. It's it's just so fascinating because again, we Dean and I always always get this like, where do, what do we do with carbs? It seems like even though we actually talk a lot about protein, uh, it seems like we always come back to carbs because it is they're it, they're just so misunderstood. And and we even even you know as you know lately these past few years, the mantra has been an endurance sport. It's and it depends on the sport, but the mantra has been try to feed your gut as many carbohydrates as possible so you can try to assimilate that and so on and so forth and. I mean, you know me, I've never really been on that bandwagon because I've I've got data, like, you know, 18 mm-hmm. years of data. I'm like, hmm, not quite sure. And then there's the repercussions of GI distress, digestive, everything. But have you, I mean, to that person, and you mentioned it, you, you know, it may work for that that one or two, you know, athletes here and there. Right. But what have you, what has been your messaging regarding that messaging lately? Uh, it's, it's, I've become more A, interested in, I want to say self-experimentation, but if you're working with a coach, it's more me trying to be the self-experimenter for them, treating them like an individual. Uh, you know, it's mm-hmm. it's remarkable. Even with the stuff I, I 
did with Rutgers football. Um, I'll still consult with them. Yeah. How, you know, how many guys will just throw up and it's like, wait, what did you eat this morning? And it's like, oh, I, and it's like, wait, why would you eat that? Or, mm-hmm. um, you know, so a lot of the messaging is more, let's play around. We can always, mo- and this is the number one thing that anyone who's in sports nutrition working with an athlete would be, hey, we don't have any games. We don't have any big significant meets, races, competitions coming up. So now is when we can start modifying your diet. If, if, right. if like Rutgers is playing tomorrow, you know, college football basically starts this weekend. Yeah. Um, you don't want to be like, hey, let's let's try this new carbohydrate source on you. Right. Um, so it's more outside of that realm, you know, let's, let's dial, try and dial in, but we can slowly tr- start to backtrack and you, let's lo- start to lower the amount of carbohydrate that you're consuming mm-hmm. and then pay attention to your energy levels. And we're not there yet, but the future will be, Hey, let's put CGMs on all the players right. and we'll figure out what you're, you know, I don't like to use the word bonking, but what yeah. your what your blood glucose concentration is where you'll start to f- see some cognitive and and then right. by default some performance decrements um, yeah. mm-hmm. i don't know if that answered your question but it's well, yeah do you feel that we have strong research to point us in one direction or the other yet or is it still kind of like juggling a few balls in the air i think we're 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 garnering enough data the data are telling us you can go lower and then you can go lower than the recommendations are recommending. Now with that, the number one thing that I seem to be wanting to talk to maybe other coaches, nutritionists, strength coaches, and and then maybe some players that are more is that training is not competition. Mm -hmm. So, and I'm seeing Lou, I just, there was a video I was just watching, you know, I follow Louise Burke. I mean, she is, and she's come around her, the tides are turning. She has, she has yeah. The way that she just, you know, and I have tons, I taught a research methods course this past summer. And one of the things we were looking at was her supernova studies with the race walkers and yep. you know, things yep. like that. And there's wonderful things that they showed, but there's a lot of other hiccups where, you know, we can, I could pick it apart from someone who, you know, and it, it, you only have so much time, you only have so much money, things like that. But right. that concept, I'm hearing her even talk a lot about I think we're, we're, I think that to answer your question, because I love going off on tangents. Yeah, yeah. We can go a minute. Would be, I think we have enough data to support. You should be doing metabolic efficiency training Mm -hmm. in your training. That outside of competition, you 100%, there seems to be a huge benefit to training to adapt to to favorably adapt your fat burning capabilities or your mm-hmm. metabolic you know substrate utilization metabolic efficiency type training i mean medical you you go into more detail but yeah the ability of tapping into greater fat burning capabilities is a wonderful ad- advantageous thing from both a performance as well as a general everyday you know health Thing. from the health and that's that's the message we also try to really send to a lot of people is we're not just talking performance here right. i mean we're talking right. being human beings and you know disease free hopefully right i mean that's that's really the the first and foremost goal for all of us yeah and i and it's it's hard when you depends on the level of sport that you're getting into and i know you've worked with the best of the best in the world you know the olympics i mean all the all the high caliber yeah. athletes that that you personally worked with and then probably right. still continue to work with to, to, to get into their head 
anything other than maximal performance is really hard to do. Totally and at right. that level to get that into the coach's head is really hard to do. Right. No coach wants to see their player not be healthy, but depending on the sport that that might be that coach's job, whether they perform or not. So performance right. is near and dear and sort of, you know, you have to be healthy, so to speak to, to play at your optimal level, but totally, yeah. um, you know, outside of that, I mean, I'm sure we could quantify that. And it's an insanely small percentage of the population that we're talking about when we say to dial down into the like specific grams, weigh your food to yeah. this degree for this training run, you know, I mean, it's, that's a small percentage. So a lot of the listeners, a lot of the other people's myself included, it's, I don't need to do that. I do want to be right. very specific. I do want to pay attention. Yeah. But I think we have enough data to support in your training. You should probably play around with consuming less carbohydrate, whether you're trying a fasted or whether you're trying low carbohydrate, you know, like lower glycemic, certain mm-hmm. other carbs out there, regardless of what that is. I think the data are pretty supportive of regardless if you're an endurance athlete or even a strength athlete, I'll yeah. go out on a limb and say the data are supporting. You should try to consume less carbohydrate at certain points in certain training sessions. Yeah. Periodized nutrition. Oh yeah. Looking at timing and so forth. Yeah. Yeah. Are you seeing anything, Patrick, in the research that's been emerging over the the number of recent years here from gender differences that you're having your, you know, you're keeping your eye on or things that you're finding notable or applying to the athletes you work with? Um, that's a really good question because there's, there, there are data to support differences in energy metabolism for males versus females. Uh, Mark Tarnopolsky is, has had been, been like a pioneer of really documenting, you know, different gender differences from a hormonal standpoint, energy metabolism. Um, like m- women will tap into fat a lot more, but, you know, men tend to have a higher, like they'll go back to baseline a lot faster mm-hmm. when the exercise is done. So, you know, they have maybe less of a window of, you know, like eating a higher amount of calories after the event or whatever it is. Um, but I mean, not, I haven't probably tracked it as much as maybe the data currently would warrant. Um, I mean, more recently, besides random personal uh, coaching or counseling or something like that, it's been more a lot of, you know, I've worked a lot more with males. Mm-hmm. And then maybe I just haven't, I just haven't seen a differentiation to that nth degree of, Hey, let's pay attention to this. Uh, And I think when you get even then into the more elite level, I think it was also Tarnopolsky who sort of put out the data that exercise is so powerful that the amount of sympathetic hormonal response, Mm -hmm. cortisol growth hormone, things like that is so powerful and so bold that it might overshadow some aspects of mm. gender hormonal differences. Cause that's a big thing. I do a lot of stable isotope tracer work in, in my research where I can actually track how many grams of the carbohydrate you're burning from the okay. drink and things like that. And there's different bicarbonate buffers, acetate buffers. And there's a lot of controversy saying, mm. you know, or, or from that standpoint, even if you then get into, Hey, did you account for, the cycle of the month or the time of the month, mm-hmm. the cycle, women's cycle and stuff like that. And it's exercise is so powerful. A lot of the mm-hmm. data support, you don't have to from certain hormonal, certain energetic standpoint, but I don't know. And I haven't read enough 
to get to that nth degree of, mm -hmm. yes, yeah. this is how I would recommend this differently right. in a female versus a male. Yeah. I suppose it does depend on what you're looking for mm -hmm. during that research also, because obviously sure. you can design it that way and then you would have to control for some of those, those metrics for sure. Yeah. Thanks to our episode sponsor, Inside Tracker, created by leading scientists in aging, genetics, and biometrics. I've been using Inside Tracker biomarker testing with all of my athletes to help them manage their health, nutrition, and training adaptations. I use it because Inside Tracker provides interpretation of biomarkers and puts the data into real life action by providing food and meal examples to help improve athletes' health and nutrition. Each athlete has their own dashboard and can use the Inside Tracker resources to build better meals and snacks, manage nutrient deficiencies, and take a proactive approach to optimizing health, nutrition, and training. For a limited time, you can get 20% off the entire Inside Tracker store. Just go to insidetracker.com forward slash ISN podcast. That's insidetracker.com forward slash ISN podcast. No. Yeah, my Are number you... one response in class is, and you ask any of my students now, they'll say, it depends. Yeah. <laughs> Second one is, well, what does it depend on? Well, it depends on the context. It's Everything yes. is context specific. So, yes. Those are my favorite two words. It depends. It really is, right? <laughs> it depends. Especially adaptation. Yeah. Adaptation is my my favorite word in physiology. Totally. Like totally. Set principle, specific adaptation to impose demand, yep. which is very applicable to metabolic efficiency training, you know. Yeah. adapting to burn more fat, less yeah. reliance on carbohydrate, things like yeah. that. Um, let me go back real quick. Cause you mentioned something earlier that in your training specifically, that sometimes you would go just fasted, right? You just go out, hit a run. Was that, cause I'm always so curious as the why behind that. Was that on purpose? Was it because you woke up and you weren't hungry? Was like, what was the reason behind your, your specific fasted workouts? More, I mean, I guess probably to a smaller degree was, oh, I'm not going to eat anything to try and maximize my fat burning capabilities because there are other ways of, of still pushing fat burning adaptation without mm -hmm. eliminating all carbohydrate. A lot of it is I just wasn't hungry. I mean, I'm okay. not that hungry in the morning. I would probably have a cup of coffee. You know, I'll use like a scoop of collagen in my coffee. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times, you know, half and half, I, I like heavy cream. Uh, just from really the, the, the texture and the stuff taste, like that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it wasn't necessarily on, it wasn't more on purpose, but okay. I also for certain runs, if I knew I was going out for a really long, but slow, you know, lower intensity, I might have a little bit more, Hey, that was on purpose where I'm going to gotcha. bring stuff, but mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That was, I was just wondering, cause I was like yeah. the, the background behind that. Mm -hmm. Right. So with, with all of that, what do you, what talk to us about carbohydrate loading? Cause you know, it's gone through quite a few cycles in the, in the past, like where, where are we at with old school, new school? Like what's your take on it now? Well, I think it's, I think we're at least at the point where it's not eat as much, eat as much pasta. We've gotten a little bit more, we've gotten a little bit more sophisticated in our right, right. towards it. it. It does exist. It is real. I mean, you can load, you know, you can super compensate your glycogen stores. Like that is possible from a physiological standpoint. And there, I mean, the data would never, I've never read any data to indicate that that would be a negative thing. Okay. Um, so I think the age old, old school tale of, 
you know, all right, it's the day or two days before eat as much pasta as you possibly right. can. I think, I think we've gone past that. Yeah. Um, you know, yeah, there are certainly just, don't need the week or two before either. Right. Right. And gorging yourself Correct. every day. Yeah. Yeah. There are a couple different, you know, I know there are a couple different regimens of how you do it. A big one of, one of the then, which I think is not as much, you're not seeing it as much is to get maximal super compensation. It's Hey, several days, three, four days before do like a complete glycogen depletion based mm -hmm. exercise so right. that your muscles are then craving it so that they overstore even more. Right. Uh, I, I think we're seeing that a little bit less. So the, the one thing though, that I'm becoming very interested in is that balance of can, can you over consume not from a glycogen standpoint, but I've actually been reading about um, more from like a fat stamp, like from a, mm. from a bloating standpoint, oh, right. where you'll right. store more water. And, you know, I mean, there is such a thing as overhydrated. Mm -hmm. uh, so it's something that I've become a little bit more interested in reading into. And a lot of stuff that I did with Rutgers, you know, work, I'm a very endurance trained individual. A lot of my research is, is ultra endurance things like that. And then a lot of the, the stuff I did with Rutgers football, it's, Hey, these are totally different caliber right, um, type right. of athlete. Exactly. So, you know, any, anyone who's playing college football this weekend, it's all right, well, what are you going to eat? Are you going to overcompensate? Or are you just going to grab your plate, right. try and get these, you know, these different food groups and make sure you have enough of this, enough of this. Yeah. Is there such a thing as well, too much. And I yeah. think the wrestling bodybuilding oh. world, you know, has, tapped into you know i mean the bodybuilding world is it's it's remarkable how fine-tuned they've gotten into modulating their oh, calorie yeah. hydration to like change a point ten tenth of exactly. a percent notch on their exactly. like muscle definition <laughs> bloating and things like totally. that so yeah. you know but how, how often do we see so i it's a i still think it's it's something that you obviously want. You would like to go into any event with, you know, a, a maximal amount of glycogen. You would not yeah. want to go into an event with, you know, less than your potential maximum, right. uh, you know, glycogen stores. Well, here's, let me throw a zinger at you, Patrick, real quick. Cause I know Dina's chomping at the bit for, for her next question. I can see it, but uh, this is, we get this quite a bit, right? What if I'm metabolically efficient, right? So I'm balancing my blood sugar. I'm, I'm eating the way I need to, to, to just optimize blood sugar, health, performance, everything. Do I need to feed myself in a, and I, I guess you could, you could really detail how much carbohydrates, but do these, do these guys and gals need to super compensate? Do they need to glycogen load carbohydrate load, or can they just go into their events or heavy training, uh, you know, day or whatever it is normally? Like, you know, yeah, we get that question a, a lot. What, it's an awesome yeah, question. What I would say, no, they probably don't. And I don't have the data okay. to support, but what I'd be really curious about, and I know it's, it's come up a lot in general, random talks and discussions, things like that. You know, by doing that, is there an aspect of dependency? Like, mm. I, uh, what was it? Um, Tim Noakes, I think he mm -hmm. coined the term central governor theory. There's been a yep. ton of other data and other researchers yep. to talk about it. But your brain is at, you know, 1400 at every minute and every second of every day, your brain is constantly taking stock of things. Right. And it's just waiting to see, did things go up? Did things go down? So there's this reliance on 
carbohydrates. So if someone practices that way, are, is that individual who, yeah, you're going to go and super compensate, is that individual going to be more reliant on dietary, you know, carbohydrate supplementation right. because the, 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 the fuel light sensor that the brain has mm -hmm. is going to be set at a higher bar. And even in the, in blood glucose, they're going to notice jitters and orientation may be higher and, you know, than someone who is more metabolically adapted. So I, my, my general response would be, no, you don't have to do the supercompensation. Okay. I'm just, I was merely stating it does exist. You can overpack, you know, your right. muscle glycogen, but yeah. do you need to, I don't know. And yeah. one of the main fascinating things about the study I did at UConn with Dr. Jeff Volek, the faster study, fat adapted substrate oxidation trained elite, elite runners was those following over a year of like ketogenic and they were less than 10% of their calories. And these were ultra endurance. Like they ran right. 100, 200 miles a week. Yeah. They started with the same amount of glycogen as the high carb, the traditional high carb guys. So it's very like, interesting. Yeah. Can you yeah. say that one? Just say that one more time. <laughs> yeah. So those following for over a year running 50 to I, the one guy was close to 200 miles a week. Yeah. Long-term less than 10% of their calories coming from carbohydrate. When they came in and we tested their muscle glycogen, they had the same amount of muscle glycogen as those following a traditional 60 to 70% high carb diet. Unbelievable listeners. Mm -hmm. You need to stop and really reflect on what Patrick just said. Right. And this is legit. Like you guys are doing muscle That's... biopsies to test glycogen, right? Yeah. Muscle yeah. biopsies, fat biopsies. We did tracer yeah. diffusions. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's the real deal. <laughs> so it's, 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 that struck me. I mean, obviously we showed fat burning rates higher than anyone's ever shown. Right. All those right. things are great, but it's, it's just so profound, you know, and that's the age old, you know, anabolic window and all these different right. things. Mm -hmm. You know, I always, always learned, and I think the data still supports, Hey, if you're getting enough carbohydrate in a 24 hour period, you should still replenish the same amount of glycogen as someone mm -hmm. who's not. And then the low carb guys are showing us from that study. Hey, if you give it long enough, your body's going to adapt and physiologically still be able to, to store a good amount of, of muscle yeah. glycogen. Yeah. Absolutely. You're not providing that exogenous or dietary carb. So, right. What Super about, yeah. So fascinating. What about, so the fueling during training or competition, I mean, there's so many different carbohydrate sources now that we have available. You mentioned that you can earlier. So I was just curious your take on the super starch form of carbohydrate, palatinose, um, some of the other formulations like the hydrogel technology, do you, and I, I'm sure this is to your, it depends and contact situation, but just wondering some of your thoughts on these unique forms of carbohydrate and things that athletes should be thinking about. Sure. Yeah. I'm, I'm highly in favor of something like, you know, the generation you can, it gives you, I studied, I, I studied, I published a paper um, last year. I gave 50 gram bolus of super starch. I gave mm -hmm. a 50 gram bolus of, you know, glucose. It was a maltodextrin. Mm -hmm. I won't say any names. Um, yeah. so 50 gram second session, they came so randomized crossover. And then a third time that they came and I gave them nothing but water. Mm -hmm. uh, and we did stable isotope tracers. So I quantified the amount of carbon 13 found in the drink. 
collected carbon dioxide, typical isotope is C12 of carbon. We quantified how much, you know, labeled tracer of mm. the drink was in the breath, indirect calorimetry, total carbon dioxide. And then we were able to quantify, um, and it wasn't a performance based, but it was pretty remarkable. And I'm, I'm, it provided it, the ultimate, the ultimate goal is, and I, I wrote it down somewhere and I just looked at it, but I'm in favor of those, I, I guess they're called lower glycemic type mm -hmm. carbohydrates, such as mm -hmm. the, you know, the super starcher. Now it's live, live steady. Live steady. Yeah. Way of, uh, explaining it because it does exactly what we're asking ourselves to be able to do, which is sustain. We need to supply, we need nutrition to sustain a certain energy output and to keep whatever homeostatic mechanisms and, and variables, you know, present at those homeostatic, you know, levels. And what I like about those new types of carbohydrate sources is that they're they're sort of the best bang for the buck. They're doing two wonderful things. They're doing just they're doing the same thing that the sugar fast absorption, you know, uh, which is provide glucose into the mm -hmm. bloodstream, which then also maintains blood glucose and then provides glucose to the working muscle. So they're they're doing that just like the other ones, but then they're also not spiking the blood sugar mm -hmm. and they're not providing by default. You shouldn't really ever have the possibility of a potential hypoglycemic, you know, crash because mm -hmm. you're not releasing enough insulin to warrant the removal of a big giant amount of glucose. Mm -hmm. So it's providing a very sustained, you know, blood glucose. And it's not giving you those bigger sugar crashes. So especially during mm -hmm. the training. So that I would highly recommend. Mm -hmm. And then the cool thing about that would be, this is kind of the opposite of when you get into any of the sports drinks or sports bars where, all right, we might recommend them during, but we're, we're really not recommending them. You know, when you're resting on a Saturday, right. don't, don't just drink a, you know, yeah. a high glucose or high sucrose sports drink because you are trying to maintain your blood glucose, you know, it's like, no, it doesn't work that way. But with the other types, it's like, yeah, you can essentially have them whenever you want. Mm -hmm. For sure. For sure. There, and there seems to be a lot of these things kind of popping up. I mean, Superstarch, UCAN has been around for, I don't know, 16, 17 years now, but you know, we, we just actually heard of the, the sugar, the, the carbohydrate palatinose. And you, yeah. You introduced that's I looked it up and yeah, did you? Okay. very similar uh, you know, it's, it's, it's the whole goal is similar. It's you want it to whatever molecular structure you want it to try and not the ultimate goal is it can't sit in the stomach because that's right. going to jostle around. Mm -hmm. That's going to trigger a lot of GI. You want it to pass through the stomach. And if it's sitting in the small intestine, that doesn't seem to really trigger as much, right. you know, GI discomfort. And that's kind of what, you know, the live, live steady from the generation you can, and then it's platinos yeah. and, and yeah. things like that do, they just sit there. And I refer to them as like an IV trickle of mm -hmm. glucose into the bloodstream. Yeah, I love that. Why wouldn't IV you trickle. want that? You know? Exactly. Because you don't want to have those big bolus sugar feedings. I mean, one, it's just not it's just not comfortable. And, and two, just realistically being on your bike or on the trails or like whatever, it just, it just doesn't feel good, right? <laughs> yeah. And it's, you know, it's depending on the intensity that you're at, um, the temperature, things like that, those high glycemic 
super fast absorbing drinks, bars, gels, whatever they might be. They're very unstable. They yeah. might get cleared from the, the blood sugar faster or slower on a different day, but that mm -hmm. IV trickle of that low glycemic, it's dependable and it's steady. I mean, what yeah. more what more would you want from a, a an actual participant in exercise or from a a coach or practitioner who's, you know, a, a nutrition professional who's giving guidance. Hey, I totally. want sustained energy. All right. We'll eat something exactly. that sustains energy for a long period of time. Yeah. And you, you hit on something. I think it just to reiterate for the listeners is you said it kind of depends. You have to look at your environment, the training session, where you're at, what you're doing, because again, that the sugar, if you're using a simple sugar source, it may not react the same as it does on another day. And I think that's a really important point to kind of just reiterate because yeah, like we're saying with these other carbohydrate sources, they're very steady. Like you, you know, and you know, I've, I've, I've used them, you use them, Dina uses them. We, you know what you're going to get and you know, the consistency is always going to be there. And I think that's, what's beautiful about that. Yeah. Bob, I, on that treadmill, my treadmill desk, yeah. um, I did an experiment where I tried 120, it was like 125 grams of the, the generation you can. Wow. And wow. my glucose still got, I don't know, I, I have to look at the data, but it was still yeah. like one third. I think it got up to like 130. And then That's it just amazing. Stayed, you know, around around hundred, a little yeah. below. Yeah. I didn't get any GI and things like that. Yeah. And just for our listeners, that's a lot of UK. That's a lot of carbohydrate. Yeah, and that was just the one time I was just, I mean, I'm yeah. a self-experimenter. So right, right. Just and you would around. expect a huge, like with that quantity, you would expect the blood sugar to go above 130-ish. I mean, certainly. But yeah, if you had that amount of, you know, like you're saying, maltodextrin, you're probably hitting 200 easily. I mean, mid to high 200s, 300s. I don't know, right? Yeah, and <laughs> right, right. Yo, absolutely. If you're, if you're cranking through that. Yeah, in one bolus, like I just- right. Right. Yeah. yeah. Punished 120 grams. Like, exactly. I, you know, close. I'm going to, I'm going to try that now. I don't, I know you didn't set that up as a, as a competition, but I'm so curious. I'm going to try that. I think <laughs> yeah, I will because yeah, you get into all, so it's, you know, in the nutrition world, it's okay. Well, certain, certain like vitamin A, you're, you're, you don't want to overconsume vitamin A, but vitamin C, you know, the toxicity level of vitamin A is very different than vitamin right. C. Like you can right. go, so I'm curious, like from that standpoint, it's, well, if you take too much sugar all at once, there's 100%. I mean, you can kind of say it's a toxicity because technically sugar is toxic in the blood at high levels. Totally. It's the number one cause of, uh, you know, bl blindness and amputation aside yeah. from like accidents and things like that. Right. So it is toxic. Alcohol is yeah. first. And then the second one mm -hmm. that the body preferentially wants to get rid of out of the blood is is glucose um yeah you know, so things like that but yeah um, yeah that Absolutely. that steady the platinum i think we're going to just continue to see an influx of these types and i think that then the fact that we are seeing data a lot of the professionals are using them we like them uh -huh. Uh -huh. that kind of answers the question that you asked in the beginning of you know the tides are turning or what i yes. think the tides are turning um Completely, completely. So I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm in, you know, I'm, I'm very excited to see um, what comes out, and and you can ask your next question, but I have a point that I would love to bring that to. Oh yeah, yeah. So, well, let's. We, I was, I was going to wrap it up. So, what, yeah. what is, what is that? Well, so yeah. on what? that point, uh, Alex Hutchinson, he wrote the book uh -huh. Endure. Um, yep, yep. And yeah. Just a fantastic. Uh, it's remarkable to see him, Matt Fitzgerald. I mean, look what Michael Pollan. Gary, yep. I mean, these are just, just investigative journalists, so to yep. speak. Some of them are really good athletes, but 
So Alex Hutchinson did an article on, and, and this made me think of, of that. And then the data, I, he, it was an article about sports drinks and youth and things like that. And it's, okay. everyone wants to talk about that insanely elite athlete, right? If you're not talking about that person, you know, you talk about, mm-hmm. I mean, you, I mean, it's the, the data speak for themselves. Obesity is a problem in this country, you know, whether it's, I'm not blaming the sports drinks themselves, but you know, the overconsumption, the, the spiking of, of blood sugar and things like that, it, it, it then touches at this whole other, um, you know, again, that, that context, um, right. specificity yeah. of, Hey, who are you giving this carb carbohydrate recommendation to? And I, and I know there's a lot of experts that are part of those recommendations that are saying, Hey, these aren't just blanket recommendations. It's like, well, right whether you think they are or not, they're being touted as blanket recommendations. So when you say, oh, the other, so when you say it's eight to 12 grams, you know, if you're participating in two and a half hours or more of exercise, it's no one's reading that fine print mm-hmm. and, you know, nothing against the the coach or even the dietitian. It's, well, they might not be as well-versed and dive into the, the literature and maybe they shouldn't right. need to. So y- you you have to take that at, at face value of, hey, yeah. what are the ramifications? Like people are just consuming these recommendations and that context specificity is super, super intriguing. So I mm-hmm. I want, I actually wanted to bring it up on the, um, we, we always run out of time because there's so many cool yeah. things. About, <laughs> I know, I know. But, but VO2 data from you know my lab, I have my nephew, Gabe, a shout out to him. He's a runner up at Marist College uh, cross yeah. country. And he's just born to be a genetic freak from a running standpoint. He's like six, oh. four, super lanky. And he's just, so highest VO2 I ever tested in my lab, which was 82.0. What? Oh my god! More have existed. Um, you know, and that's a protocol that's 30 second averaging. It's not like I'm looking at breath by breath. So that's yeah. 82. So I have another individual who his VO2 max was 68.6. Yeah. So that's very good. Anyone who doesn't know, yeah. 82 is like world class from mm-hmm. a VO2 max standpoint. This other guy is insanely good. That's very excellent. Yeah. When you look at, I'm looking very interested. You look at a marathon, you look at certain exercises, let's just say 80%. So really elite runners are going to, you know, even cyclists, let's say that 80%, you're at 80% max. That's like a good number that I've found. Mm -hmm. You're probably at that intensity, unless you're like, you know, a two hour marathon, let's say 80%. So my nephew Gabe at 80% based on his VO2 indirect calorimetry at 80%, um, he was putting out what would have been 240 grams per hour of total carbohydrate that includes his muscle glycogen. Mm -hmm. But just to put it into perspective at 80% for him, he's burning 240 grams an hour. That's dietary plus his glycogen. The other guy at 80% of his VO2 max, he's putting out 110 grams of total carbohydrate per hour. Yeah. Oh, you know, the, the whole concept of, well, it depends it's context. Yeah. You know, yeah. we have blanket recommendations of, you, you know, and I know if you're running the same race, obviously you're going to run it fast, things like that. But yeah, training is different. People aren't running, Completely. you know, it, right. a lot of times it's, I'm putting out this much total. 
I'm burning this many calories. So, yeah. you know, to see those numbers, it just, and then the, the other guy was 68.6. Like he's still elite. Yeah. Running. Yeah. Like if I run in someone who's like a weekend warrior with a VO2 of like 48, their yeah. total carb output at 80%, that might only be like, you know, 80 grams per hour. And most right. of that come from glycogen. So yeah. this is what I'm just, yeah. I don't see the data to support outside of that elite of the elite. And we can still play, make a case for, you should be paying more attention to metabolic efficiency type training Yes. outside of even that individual. It's most individuals who've ever walked the earth. I just yeah. don't see the data yeah. to support massive recommendations. And then on that note, if I can, yeah, <laughs> it's almost a paradox to me because I just taught this in exercise physiology today. Yeah. You have the whole concept of, you know, we're learning about energy metabolism. You have exercise intensity and then fuel substrate. They are essentially, I don't want to say inversely related. It depends on, but the higher the intensity, the faster burning fuel you're going to need, which we'll mm -hmm. say is glucose. As that intensity goes down, and this is what George Brooks, and I know you have a, 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 yeah. a really good, but that crossover point, you call it right. something else. Metabolic uh, efficiency point. Yeah, the crossover. Yeah. So as yep. that intensity starts to come down, the amount of carb you're burning per hour is going to come down and mm -hmm. you're going to start right. to shift. So the other interesting is as duration goes out, if you're going to run a longer and longer event, intensity by default it has to come down if right. you want to run a a further you want to run a, a half marathon mm -hmm. and then you want to run a marathon or a mile 5k 10k half marathon marathon 50 mile or 100 miler by definition the finishing times have to be a slower pace right yet when you look at the recommendations their amount of grams of carb that they're recommending per hour are going up, but That's yet the intensity exactly right. is going down. Yeah. So by default, you're telling an individual who has to be burning less carbohydrate per hour to take more carbohydrate per hour. Mm -hmm. And then we see all the issues. I find that paradoxical. <laughs> so it that speaks actually to, is it speaks it, to the importance of testing too. I mean to really oh. dial in and get that individualized guidance. Sure. I mean yeah. Totally what you're saying is is spot on, Patrick. But I think for for the for the listeners, like how do I where do I fit do I on that, that spectrum? Out? Where do I start? Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It is a tricky one, but I think it's very important to understand that paradox because a lot of our listeners don't understand it. Cause I mean, we're, you know, knee deep in the research and you are living the research, right? And it's it's good to remember that and even mm -hmm. to provide that education that that paradox exists. And that's probably one of the burning frustrations that both Dean and I have is that, yeah, those those guidelines are are increasing carbohydrates as the uh, duration goes on, yet intensity goes down. It, it does not make sense, listeners. Yeah, not, it's, yeah not maybe most there needs the to be an, another column of, all right, well, once you get to this, because over two and a half hours, that could be a soccer game. Right, could, right. You know, totally. Basketball, you know, stuff totally. like that. So it's- yeah. yeah. It, it, you know, I, I get it. I mean, obviously they can only provide so much from a recommendation, but yeah, you, know, yeah. you can then have, I don't know, but you know, yeah. things like that. And, and well, so 
on on that note, so let's leave it with the carbohydrate paradox yes. fueling strategies, right? Because and and I we would actually love to have you back on part two and in fourteen and seventeen and all that because there's so much. I mean, you are so knowledgeable and you're so passionate, but we're gonna cut it um, sure. just because we could we could literally turn this into like a ten hour Good. podcast. And we didn't even talk about the new I'm the new area of research I'm getting into is I'm looking Which, at I'm looking at fatigue. Like yeah. in the military, and I'm using VR oh, for cognition. Yeah. And I'm trying oh to, I'm trying to like sleep deprive them. You know, yeah. glycogen deplete, make them fatigued, and then see how that affects fatigue, uh, and then see what types of energy sources and things can improve their cognition and how long it lasts off those. So that's a whole other discussion. That'll that'll be our next one for sure. Actually, we probably have some follow-ups to this one, but oh, yes. let's uh, let's wrap mm-hmm. this up. And we like to do these high five questions at the end so our listeners can get to know a little bit more about our guests. So Patrick, we're going to rapid fire these and Dean and I are going to take turns and it's right. just, just kind of fun questions. So if you're ready for number one, yes. All right, let's, let's go. This is an easy one. Trail running or road running? Oh, trail running. Forever. That's what I kind of figured. Yeah, that, that was an easy one. <laughs> yeah, Number two, yeah. Patrick, what's your evening routine? Like your wind down routine? Typically just relax. You know, I put 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 our girls to bed, um, hang out with my wife. Uh, okay. at some point try and get away from technology. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that part of that depends on the the time of year. If it's nice yeah. outside, you go sit outside. For sure. Um, For sure. Perfect. Number three, uh, and and I don't know if you take any supplements, but if you do take supplements, what is your favorite one or the one that you find necessary for you personally? I don't know if I find one necessary. I've I've gotten to the point where I think they play, they can play a major role, but I'll take a multivitamin. I'll take fish oil certain times of the year. I will take vitamin D. I will acknowledge that I think most people if you yeah. live at a certain latitude, you should probably, t- and even if you don't, you should still probably take right. right. Um, other than that, I'll, I'll take some collagen. I mean, you can call okay. that. Okay. Cool. Uh, so aside from trail running, what else, what would be your next favorite hobby? Uh, probably trout fishing, fly fishing. All right. Sweet, sweet. I do participate in that also, although I'm not too uh, experienced. I love doing it. <laughs> yeah, it's it's fantastic. Yeah. I mean, there's there's a ton. I've, I've done. Gla- I've I've gotten away from it, but one I want to get back into would be uh, glass glass blowing. I was a glass. Oh sculptor wow! Four oh my years. Gosh, that's so cool. That is cool. All right, last one. And this this one usually um, this is usually a bump in the road for some of our guests because it is a difficult one. So mm-hmm. last question, if you had only one piece of advice, only one to give to athletes, what would that one piece of advice be? So I can't include two things. Nope, <laughs> just one. That's the difficult part. <laughs> I would want to say sleep more, but I'm not going to. Okay. Oh. You threw that in there. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> It would probably be to give everything you have, you know, every, every time you can give it, God, like you know, it. be willing like to put in, you know, be willing to put in the work. Yeah. Most yeah. of the results are going to come. Yes. Nutrition is important. Hydration is important. You have to pay attention to those. Yeah. But none of those are doing anything. If you're not willing to put in the work. Love it. Well, on that, that on so that good. ending message. Wow. A lot of powerful things that we, uh, we talked about a lot of powerful messages, take home points, golden nuggets, which I call them, Patrick, this, it, it is always so much fun talking to you because we could just go 
on so many different topics, which I love. It was actually difficult for for us to stay on on one or two or five topics. Yeah, sorry today. about that. That's that's my no, fault no, as well. <laughs> no, there's just so much great information out there, and you know we know the questions our listeners are giving us, and we actually want to implant those at the same time. So we just we just are, are so gracious for you taking the time today. Uh, with your permission, we'd love to have you back on. Um, yeah, talk absolutely. about your future research. And, and absolutely. There's some uh, things we didn't get to today. Yeah, sure. Sure. Yeah. I'm very appreciative. Thank you both for having me on and letting me, you know, chat with you about such yeah. a cool and interesting and evolving, um, but yet very important topic. Yeah, absolutely. So I yeah. appreciate it. Absolutely. Well, thank you. And uh, Dina, anything to leave with? No, we'll put uh, links to the work that you do, Patrick, and some of the things that we've talked about. And um, yeah, that gosh, so much more to to uh, go over. So I'll, I'll be looking forward to part two. Absolutely. Yeah. If, yeah. if anyone you. wants to, to, to contact me, uh, I am on TikTok and Instagram. Patrick oh, okay. Bevitt, PhD is my handle. Okay. I don't talk as much about nutrition. I do a lot of like philosophical quotes and okay. motivation and inspirational messages, but they can DM me there. Um, and I'd be happy to, you know, answer any questions. Perfect. And we'll add that in the show notes also. So people know how to get a hold of you. Well, oh, thank one you more again. Plug. One more, oh, yeah. one more plug. So yeah. I, I own a trail racing company with two other buddies. Uh, it's called CTW Endurance. That's we right. host trail races uh, in like the Hudson Valley around New York. Uh, we have a 24 hour one coming up in Pauling, New York. It's a, we have a three, six, 12 and a 24 hour. It's a loop event uh, in Pauling, New York. That's coming up in the middle of September. So right. we're on oh, ultra sign up okay. at ctwendurance.com. So CT, yeah. okay, we'll put, Great. we'll definitely put that one in there too. Boy, you do definitely are uh, juggling some balls, aren't you? For sure. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you once again, Patrick. Uh, we will uh, tune out this time. Listeners, we definitely appreciate you spending the, the time with us and hope you gain some great knowledge from uh, Patrick today regarding a lot of a lot of different things but really wanted to focus in on carbohydrates so we thank you for your time and we will catch you on our next episode well we hope you enjoyed episode 49 when dina and i sat down with dr patrick davitt to discuss all things low carb and high carb hope you really gained some great knowledge from that and are able to make a few more educated decisions regarding what is right for you so we would like to thank our episode sponsor, Inside Tracker. Inside Tracker was created by leading scientists in aging, genetics, and biometrics. For a limited time, you can get 20% off the entire Inside Tracker store. Just go to insidetracker.com forward slash ISN podcast and you will get 20% off. That's insidetracker.com forward slash ISN podcast. Stay tuned for next week's episode when we talk with Colleen McGinnis. She is a physical therapist and strength coach in Boulder, Colorado. We chat all things strength training. We weave in some great nutrition and protein discussion in there, aging, female. So it's a great conversation that Dina and I have with her. If you would like to support our podcast to help us continue to grow and have an array of nutrition experts, interviews, and updates on all things sport nutrition, please consider making a donation over on our website, insidesportsnutrition.com forward slash support. If you do have a sport nutrition question, because we love them and we love to turn them into episodes, just shoot us an email, hello at insidesportsnutrition.com, include your name, include the question, and we will 
absolutely address it on a future episode. We would love your support in promoting our podcast even more. We so appreciate you. If you do find our information beneficial and all these strategies that we're giving you, these real-life strategies are useful in your quest for improving your health, your performance, please visit your podcast platform of choice. Give us a five-star rating. Give us a nice review. It really helps us grow organically and share our content with other listeners around the world. If you would like more information about what I provide and Dina provides uh, regarding individual and team nutrition coaching, our physiological and biomarker testing, you can head on over to energyperformance.com. That's E-N-R-G performance.com to find all of my services and head over to nutritionmechanic.com to find all of Dina's services. The views and opinions expressed on this podcast are solely those of the host and the guest involved and do not represent a replacement for medical consultation with your doctor. The information and opinions provided here are not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease or medical condition. This podcast is for information, education, and entertainment purposes only. 